Hello there. Welcome to the second episode of All Caught Up in which I, Marie, am catching up on all the films I think I've seen and definitely haven't while I'm biding my time in quarantine. Because, as we all know, the world has gone to shit. So if we can stay home, why don't we? This episode is going to cover the never-ending story, or as I now come to think of it, God, I wish this could have ended sooner story. So if you're like me and you hadn't seen this film before, which honestly I'm not really sure how I missed it because apparently it's a staple of the childhood of anyone who's my age and was on the television every single fucking Christmas. Hindsight is a wonderful thing here where I didn't see this as a kid so I don't have that nostalgia for it so I'm looking at this through clear eyes and um, those eyes are not too happy. I'm going to go into the ins and outs of what worked, what didn't and why I decided to stop pulling my hair out halfway through. kid called Bastion his mother has recently died and he's living alone with his father and gets bullied mercilessly by the kids in the town so he decides to take refuge in a bookstore before they throw him into a rubbish bin and he discovers this book with an ornate kind of cover and steals it and runs away to read it in secret and discovers the mythical world of Fantasia it's there where the fourth wall breaks become hard and fast rules throughout the entire film and we kind of see the world through Bastion's eyes as well as the eyes of the character in the book he's reading who keep referencing him. If you don't like fourth wall breaks you're not going to like this film. I personally like fourth wall breaks but I don't like this film and here's why. So the film begins where Bastion is in the kitchen with his dad and his dad is giving out to him because he hasn't gotten over the death of his mother. This is a fucking child. This is a small child. And this mustachioed fucking bollocks is giving out to him because he's not gotten over the death of his parents. Now, I'm sure it's just him projecting. And again, it doesn't matter. Don't say that to your fucking child. So... Bastion's there like oh I need to get my life together I can't live in the clouds but of course he's going to live in the clouds because there's nothing wrong with having an imagination which is an ongoing theme throughout this entire film and it's a bit heavy handed to be honest most of the time so Bastion then gets bullied by these little kids who essentially they pick him up and throw him in a rubbish bin and call him trash because apparently they think that's a really funny joke it's that stupid thing where do you know when you're a kid and you just kind of have dumb names for people and it's the most hilarious thing in the world oh my god I'm so clever they're wearing a green bag so I'm gonna call them green bag for the rest of their life that's children Sebastian eventually escapes runs away to a bookshop and takes solace in the pages that are there and um, hides in between the shelves where he runs into the bookshop owner who's reading um, a book with a really ornate cover um, and he in typical fashion hides it so badly and tells the child not to touch it so the child then steals it because standard and puts it up his top to kind of run away with it because so subtle Um, and then he just disappears and no one seems to 
like question where he is for the rest of the film like who was looking out for this child definitely not his 80s parent like parents in 80s films are terrible and between John Hughes and this I'm like did someone like just get better parents like with really supportive parents from the 80s I really want to It'd be nice. It'd be a nice change to the trope. Anyway, Sebastian just disappears into this fucking hovel for the rest of the film. His dad doesn't seem to care. His school don't seem to care. No one seems to know. And then he escapes into the world of Fantasia in his mind. So he's reading this book with this gorgeous ornate cover. And he kind of follows the story of the Empress of Fantasia's sick. Also, as an aside, did Disney sue this film to fuck? Like, did they? Because I, I can't see them letting, like, anyone getting away with taking their property. I know it's a different world, but it's the same damn name. Sebastian is reading through the book and it's about uh, a warrior called Atreyu who has a horse. We're going to get to the horse now in a second. Um, and they are going to travel to find the princess in the ivory tower because, hey, blatant metaphors. So they run off and they go through the swamp of sadness and the horse fucking dies. It dies in a really traumatic drowning. And this is a kid's film. This is a fucking kid's film. I was horrified. I turned it off, had to look away, got a glass of wine and came back. The child is crying. I'm crying. The horse is whinnying and then drowns in a sea of mud. I'm like, ugh, if you've ever been near a bog, you know how fucking awful that would be. And... They run into a massive mount turtle who tells them how to get to the next stage of how to get to the ivory tower. It seems like a very complicated process, honestly. Like, at least Wizard of Oz had a yellow brick road. Like, this child is just kind of wandering aimlessly, hoping for the best and pretending he knows what's going on. And now his horse is dead, so he's really not happy. Out are a massive turtle, and I don't know why the turtle won't give them a lift. Like, honestly, he won't carry the child's for some unknown reason. But then he meets Falcor and everything's fine because Falcor is great. Falcor is one of the few things I like about this film because he's just a big, friendly, flying dog. He's like Clifford's awkward cousin. Also, Falcor takes Bastion to the next stage where he has to confront his own issues and make sure he understands his own worth and believes in himself and goes through this laser grid in which is to death and that's fine too and he doesn't believe in himself as he he just stops it's kind of like Joe and Brad and they're all the reasons I hate it Rickon Stark is told to run in the middle of a battlefield but he runs in the straight line and I'm like you don't run in a straight line when the person who is telling you to run is carrying a bow and arrow and they're an asshole so you run in zigzags but no no the, this guy has the uh, same kind of dumbness as Rickon Stark and he just decides to, oh, I'm going to stand here and be like petrified and not move and get myself blown up. Eventually he kind of has that, oh, wow, epiphany moment. And he runs through and then we kind of move on to the next stage where it's just the same world but in a different colour. And then that's when the fourth wall breaks become really fucking apparent where they start talking about the earthling child, Bastion, who is going to save us all. And the child is reading this book and he's freaked the fuck out, as you would be. But he keeps reading the book and I don't think I would if a book started talking about me to me. I 
be a bit fucking weary. It's a, uh, Joel, Ginny Weasley had a point. If a book starts talking to you, don't fucking start talking back. Don't listen to it. Get rid of it. Just move on. So Bastion then makes eventually, fuck, it's like, an, it's an hour and a half of him just like having existential crises with a turtle, a wolf, and a flying dog. So the wolf is there to kill him. And he's like, oh, I'm trying to um, attack this child, this warrior called Atreyu, but he's dead now. And now I'm looking for an earthling child called Bastion. I'm like, fuck, that, 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 stop being so ham-fisted with your metaphors. Like, all of it, throughout it all, it's trying to be smart. And I suppose for the time, it probably was. But now, in hindsight, and I, because I don't have the veil of nostalgia attached to this film like everyone else does, I'm just like, oh, let it end already. It's so fucking... If I wanted to be beaten across the head with a hammer, I'd go down to the hardware store and buy one, like... They eventually get to the ivory tower to save the empress because she's up above everyone. But she's adorable and lovely and very annoying. Very annoying. And she keeps talking about the earthling. Bastion, you know what to do. Bastion, you can save us. And the child is rightfully having a fucking panic attack because a book is telling him what to do. And he has to save the entire universe while the storm is outside. And his dad still hasn't asked where he is or has checked up on it. He's not in his house. He's in a dusty fucking rickety shed somewhere in a city that doesn't look that great. So eventually Bastion cops on, he believes in himself and understands that imagination is a wonderful, powerful thing and that you can do anything if you just believe, because clap if you believe. Yes, Disney probably, hopefully, definitely sued this film. So Bastion calls out, names the princess after his dead mother because, you know, they have to. She, She's just like... She's kind of like Chekhov's gun. Like, you have to put her at the start of the film for her to make sense at the end of the film for that emotional payoff. But at the same time, I'm just like, that's so ham-fisted. Anyway, they move on. Bastion saves the world. Atreyu lives. The horse lives, which is one of the better parts of this film. And everything gets reset. So essentially, like the start of Narnia... There is darkness and then one beam of light occurs and everything begins to grow and live again and he resets the world. But now there's a complete... I don't even know if this is fourth wall break. It could be a fifth wall break. But Falcor makes his way to New York City and gives Bastion a ride around the city and helps him to like scare the kids who threw him in the rubbish bin. I was like, this is... This makes no sense. This entire film makes no sense. Like if... The Princess Bride did it right, where it was a story set within a story. And it was his own universe, but it didn't infiltrate the other ones. And it didn't... It made sense. It This doesn't make much sense. And I know people love it. And I think it's whimsical. I think it's nice. I don't think it's great. I don't think it needs to be as lauded as much as it is. But I suppose for the time, maybe it was really inventive. I don't know. But that's essentially what happened throughout. <laughs> kind of dotted through there. Um, it's not all bad. Like the puppetry, I think, is really good. You can see, really see, really see the Henson aspect of it. At the same time, if all I'm watching it for is the puppets, I'd be as well to watch Muppet Treasure Island, Dark Crystal, yeah, Anthem better. Falcor, I would love to have as a pet. Like, who wouldn't 
love a flying dog but even then he's a bit preachy and I'm just like ah calm down so yeah the never ending story is a story that would never end thanks for listening and uh, I'm going to leave you with one of the better parts of the film the theme song stay home stay safe stay the fuck inside watch some films bye